God bless you all, and uh, thanks, Pastor James. It'd be great to hear from you this morning. The word around generosity. Amen. Amen. Thanks, James. I've got my hands full, but I still forgot one thing. <laughs> this guy. All right. Good morning, everybody. How are we? It's good to be back with you. Um, yeah, in July, I've got to spend a week over with our CRC church in Leeton, and then last week I was over with the Uniting Church over there uh, because of the, the high school scripture role. So I'm missing you guys, but it's good to be here. Yeah, shucks, warm fuzzies. Um, let's pray before we get into it. God, we thank you that you are good, that you are worthy, that you are holy, that you've given us all. Help us to uh, hear from your word this morning. Help us to learn your heart around giving. And help us to, um, Lord, have open hearts to receive what you want to say to us individually. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. All right. So, um, in this three-part series, I, I get the middle week, which is the principles and patterns of giving. And so today I'm going to look at, at three different things, tithes, offerings, and all. You might be going, hmm, what's that got to do with? Well, later on today, maybe as we come to communion, we might be going to take up an offering that's not a money offering. I'll let you think about that one till we get there. Um, so let's start off with giving through tithes. Ha-ha. There we go. A tithe. What is it and what's it got to do with? The tithe is the first 10% of your income. A tenth of one's increase is, um, is the example we see in the Scriptures. It's predominantly found in the Old Testament. Um, and in Deuteronomy 14 it says, Be sure to set aside one-tenth of all that your fields produce each year, which of course was a word to a nation that survived on agriculture, so it was really a, a word to all of them. Now, tithes is also a reminder that God is the supplier of everything we have. It's, sorry, I don't know if this is, it's, it is working for me, I think. Is that right? Is it me or is it you, Tash? It is me. Cool. All right. When we come to tithing, we are looking at telling ourselves, God has given me life. God has given me provision. And sometimes we can tell ourselves with words, and that's one thing. But telling ourselves with actions speaks louder to me and to others around us. It's also the bringing a tithe to God it is and was set to be the response of the righteous to a good God. That is, it wasn't incumbent on the random visitors. It was the people who belonged to God. It was the return of the first fruits of their increase, the, f the first of the harvest, or the back to God. So, as we keep looking into this, let us ask... Well, let's look at, aha, 
<laughs> giving the first and best part. It's a way to honour the giver. Um, as in the great giver, the capital G giver, our God, our King. God's personal invitation to us is to honour him, but that he receives that. He, he sees what we do in that, and he chooses to give us the experience of an outpouring of his blessing in our lives. So, Malachi chapter 3, verse 10, which is one of the, the most common verses you'll hear looking at tithing, says, Bring the whole tithe into the storehouse, that there may be food in my house. Test me in this, says the Lord Almighty, and see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that there will be not enough, not room enough to store it. God's actually telling us to test him in this. God is telling his people that he wants to receive from them so that he can give back to them as well. Now, Proverbs 3, verse 9 and 10 says, Honour the Lord with your wealth, with the first fruits of your crops. Then your barns will be filled to overflowing, and your vats will brim over with new wine. God loves us to honour him with our words and our song and it's worship. But we're called to honour him with more than just that, in terms of, uh, because worship is part, it's a whole, it's an encompassing thing. It's not the music that we do on a Sunday morning, although that's a part of that. Worshipping God is coming to him in a stance that gives him the honour for what he has done. And he has done everything. So it's a lot of honour that we need, that we, want to come and bring to him. So part of our worship is bringing, bringing the tithe to God, bringing our substance. It's honouring God with what we have. Now, tithes was command, tithing was commanded in the Old Testament. It, it couldn't be considered a gift because according to the, the, the setup and the instruction, the tithe belonged to God. So, it, it was to be the best part. There was no, no bringing God dodgy sheep or animals if, if, if in the tithing of animals. If they were sick, that was okay, but you gave them another one as well to make up for the sick one. Um, why? Because it wasn't just a, a way of you know, weeding out the, the worst of your crops so you could, of your, your own increase. It was bringing God our best. Leviticus 27 says, a tithe, a 27 verse 30, a tithe of everything from the land, whether grain from the soil or fruit from the trees, belongs to the Lord. It is holy to the Lord. Now, tithes met the needs of the religious, economic, social, and political system in ancient Israel. Uh, they're four different terms, but they all interrelate. The religious in terms of um, coming to God through the temple system and different things. The economic. The tithe, bringing to gifts to God was a way of feeding 
not just um, not just you and your family, but the eleven tribes that were that all inherited land and had their own crop to, crops and and orchids and animals. They were to tithe to help feed the Levites, who were the twelfth tribe, who were to be the temple helpers and priests, and the the Levites who were the temple helpers who also had their own sources of income also tithed from what they received from the 11 tribes so that the priests could be fed. So what we see is this all-encompassing thing that it wasn't just for the, the richest X number X percent, it was all of the people of God had a, a way of bringing God an offering. Yes, it was used to practically help people around them, they were they were used to meet the needs of foreigners. Sorry, one too many. Of foreigners, orphans, and widows. And so, not only do we see that tithing was, um, it wasn't just some idea that Moses came up with when he was figuring out how he could give himself a, a good pay pack. This was a part of God's plan for the whole nation, so that His people would understand how things worked. Now, um, isn't tithing a part of the law and therefore fulfilled in Jesus? Now, I've been a Christian for a very long time, and and so this is a question that was real for me um, because I, I don't know exactly when, probably a decade ago, maybe more, I stopped and asked, well, is this just one of those Old Testament things that the church gets to pick and choose which things they like to tell us about, and therefore it's one of those, you know, pork tastes good, so we're not going to talk about the rules around pork, but but we'll talk about the rules around tithing. <laughs> I hear an amen. You like your pork, do you, Micah? That's good. Um, and so I, I was genuinely questioning this. But then I had to see in Scripture that, Yes, tithing is very much part of the law of Moses, which was fulfilled in Christ and therefore completed. But that's not where it began. And so we see, we go to, if you'd like to turn there, you're welcome, because maybe you've had this question before. Genesis chapter 14, verses 18 to 20, we have the first specific example of tithing, which is Abraham. Now, you and I are children of Abraham by faith, and this is separate to the law. The law comes in 430 years later, or Moses and Moses died, and 430 years later, Abraham died, and 430 years later, Moses was born. And so they, these are two separate things. Abraham, uh, then Melchizedek, king of Salem, brought out bread and wine. He had he was priest of the Most High God. We have no context on that, by the way, if you're trying to figure out the rest of how did he fit in, where where did Melchizedek, Melchizedek come from, etc., etc. We don't get the context on it, but we know that Abraham brought him a tithe. Um, he blessed Abraham, saying, Blessed be Ab Abram, because he was Abram at this stage, by God most high, creator of heaven and earth. So he's obviously talking about our God, the same God that we worship. 
and praise be to God Most High, who delivered your enemies into your hand. Then Abram gave him a tenth of everything. Oh, sorry, there's the rest of it. And it wasn't just him. It was also Jacob, who was renamed Israel, voluntarily brought a tithe as well in Genesis chapter 28. Jacob made a vow saying, if God will be with me and will watch over me, then the Lord will be my God. And of, and of all that you give me, I will give you a tenth. These two men were not constrained by a law, but as the fathers of the nation Israel and spiritually our, our father, in a sense, and I'll, I'll go through a little bit of that in a moment, they set an example for us to follow by choice, but one that was then for a time legislated as part of the law, which has now been fulfilled. So it's not because of a legalism that we have to tithe, but it's because of an example where we see God actually has a pattern for this and um, a reason. Now, like I say, if you're trying to figure out the whole Abraham and where one of his children and but wasn't all of that fulfilled in the law, um, up the back on the on our information stand, just under our vision and values document, um, I, I've put a few of these. This is just a little um, thing that I did. 10 years ago, I think, um, because figuring out the difference between the three different covenants, the Abrahamic covenant of promise, the Mosaic covenant of law, and the, the Christian covenant of grace, or, or the covenant in Jesus, the new covenant, is it really important because we assume that because there's the Old Testament and the New Testament, the Old Covenant, New Covenant, that everything old is finished and complete. It's not. You and I are under the covenant of promise. So if you want to learn more about that, figure, grab one of them. It's not about tithes and offerings, but it has changed my thinking when it comes to the knowing that I am blessed to be a blessing. That God's instruction to Abraham that all nations would be blessed through him, is incumbent on me to share the gospel into all nations and, and a bunch of other things too. So grab one of them later on if you are interested. Uh, just a couple of verses out of it. Romans 9, 8. It is not the natural children who are God's children, but it is the children of promise who are regarded as Abraham's offspring. Galatians three twenty nine says, If you belong to Christ, then you are Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. That's a, a bunch of information about tithing. Um, I want to get real with this in just a moment. It's not... By saying that, information and knowledge, teaching is important for us to understand. A month or so ago, I was getting to chat to some good friends of mine, and um, we got chatting about life, and we started hearing about a really difficult time in their life. Uh, Amy was with me, obviously. Unfortunately, she can't be here today. She's a little bit sick. Um, but these friends were telling us about a time when they were were raising a small child who was who was sick, 
They was helping support uh, not just themselves on a single wage, but also a family member. And in a time when meeting their week-to-week expenses was really, really, really difficult. And I asked them, what did, what did you learn through this time? And I was really quite surprised by their answer. I, I, I don't know why exactly I asked it, but their response was, we learned that God, about tithing, and that God honoured them in and through that. This year and a half or two years, I don't know exactly how long, of a challenge, they got to see God fulfil his promise in that and grow them. And that's where all of this comes from. The Bible talks a lot about money. A lot. Some of us kind of have this attitude that, you know, we go to church, we give, don't talk to me about money. The Bible talks a lot about it because money reflects heart. And heart is, can be led by money a little bit. And so, they, they, my friends in this circumstance learnt that by giving through their pain, when they didn't know how the budget was going to fit out at the end of the week, it did work out because they got to see their God as a provider, as, as the one who leads them through. So, um, yeah, I just wanted to let us know about that before we move on to offerings, which is a, a separate but very much related thing as well, of course. So, offerings. An offering is anything you give in addition to your top. Offerings thank God for his provision and blessing on our lives. And what do we see about offerings? Paul exhorts generous giving. And no, no, no talk about giving would be, should miss out on something from 2 Corinthians chapters 8 and 9. If you want to know more or grow in more, read both of those whole chapters because there's some really awesome stuff in there. It starts off, 2 Corinthians 8 starts off by Paul talking about the Macedonians who were able to give out of their poverty. For I testify that they gave as much as they were able and even beyond their ability, entirely on their own. They urgently pleaded with us for the privilege of sharing in this service to the Lord's people. I don't know about you, but sometimes I find it challenging to give a little bit. It hurts sometimes. Giving more is more and that is harder, but that's still well within my ability. These guys were giving beyond that. And I go, go, wow, what was going on in their hearts that they said, we want to. They, you know, Paul says they urgently pleaded with us to let them join in this thing. We're also told about to give in an attitude of joy, not compulsion. So the following chapter, chapter 9, verse 6 and 7, we read, Remember this, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, 
and whoever sows generously will also reap generously. Each of you should give what you have decided in your heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. And so we see that giving is a, is a choice. It's a choice that we're called to make, but it is a choice. So that's that part of it is around uh, offerings specifically. The next parts I want to look at are around both tithes and offerings. You can see I've just highlighted those some of those key words in that one, where we see that they chose to give big, to give generous, but they chose to do it. So we ask ourselves the question, who should give? In ancient Israel, it was for all of God's people, the rich, the poor, and for us, it is also. It is for all believers. Poor Christians, as well as rich, should give to the Lord. Jesus told the story of the widow and her might. Um, as Jesus looked up, Luke 21, verse 1 to 4, he saw a rich putting in their gifts into the temple treasury. He also saw a poor widow putting in two very small copper coins. Truly I tell you, he said, this poor widow has put in more than all the others. All these people have gave gifts out of their wealth, but she, out of her poverty, put in all that she had to live on. Financially, it was an awful lot less. But we see in his example, those two small copper coins were all that she had. And God loved it. Giving is for all those that have been a recipient of God's grace in salvation. Acts tells us, uh, um, I think it's Paul who's actually speaking at the time, tells us that Jesus said, it is more blessed to give than to receive. Now, this is not new information for you, and I know this, but it's helpful as we come to consider these questions. So that's who should give. Why should I give? And here we have a few different reasons. So I'll get this. There we go. Why should we give? It brings unity in the body. Again, another really awesome big passage on giving in terms of what it, the depth of it is in Philipp, found in Philippians 4. Um, Paul, Paul writes, I rejoice greatly in the Lord that you at last, re sorry, that at last you renewed, renewed your concern for me. Uh, they, the Philippian church had been supporting Paul through his early ministry and then he'd been off in some faraway places that they weren't able to get a gift of support to him and now they were able to again. And Paul's writing, thank you. 
because it meant so much to him. Not just the financial provision and the whole actually getting to have food to eat, because he knew what it was to have abundance and he knew what it was to have no food, but he loved the fact that he that they got to do it, that it was sharing in the gospel work. And that was probably the more important thing to him than the actual finance. It is a good thing. Um, a couple of verses later, we say, yet it was good of you to share in my troubles. It progressed the gospel. Moreover, as you Philippians know, in the early days of your acquaintance with the gospel, when I set out from Macedonia, not one church shared with me in the matter of giving and receiving except you only. Their giving helped Paul travel into other nations, other yeah, other ethnos, other people groups, other towns and cities to do a good kingdom work. It also pleases God. Philippians 4.18 I have received full payment and have had more than enough. I am amply supplied now that I have received from Epaphrodites the gifts you sent. They are a fragrant offering, an acceptable sacrifice, pleasing to the Lord. Now, the next verse, anyway, it promises more of Christ. Philippians 4.19, a lot of us love and remember, and it says, And my God shall meet all of your needs according to the riches of his glory in Christ Jesus. And it's good to remember the promise of the word that says that. It's not as exciting to remember that it's written just after thanking them for their very generous gift. I'm going to leave that context up to you. I'm, I would argue that both, it is still true either way, but it's good to remember the context in which it's written. Our giving is part of our stewardship. That is, what we have been given by God, we are to look after. It doesn't belong to us, whether it's our children or our house or our car or our job. They don't belong to us. They belong to God. They're an opportunity for us to show ourselves as his children, to be the people he's called us to be. 1 Corinthians 4.2 says, Now it is required that those who have been given a trust must prove faithful. We're called to be good stewards. God really owns everything, and he gives it to us. Every good and perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of the heavenly lights, who does not change like the shifting shadows. We are accountable for everything the Lord provides which we've just spent six weeks looking at eternity and, and the remembering the fact that as Christians, we will face the Lord. It's not a judgment of salvation, a judgment for our sin, but it is a judgment of reward. And so we will have to give an account. So then each of us will give an account of ourselves to God. Now that's, again, Paul writing to the church, not to the non-believers. Giving also reflects 
and leads, our heart. I, I wrote the and leads in there. Store up for yourselves treasure in heaven, for where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. I say and leads because I know that sometimes I know, but I don't feel, so I do choose to do, and then because I've done, then I feel good about it later on. Sometimes you feel good, you feel like you're going to do it, and it's good, and you do it. But sometimes the feeling, you feel like, blur. why do I want to do this? But you know it's a good thing, so I'm still choosing to do it myself, not because of law. Sometimes the heart comes with, at the time, sometimes it comes afterwards. But we still get to do good, whether it's helping somebody move house when we just don't feel like we've got the energy, and you want to say no, and then you end up saying yes, and then you end up enjoying it, or whether it's giving in terms of finance as well. To whom shall we give is our next question. That's some wise. To whom's? Well, we give to God, primarily, first and foremost, so that he may be glorified. God is the creator, the possessor and dispenser of all the wealth stored up in heaven and here on earth. Psalm 56, we, verse 12, we hear God speaking. And he says, well, if I were hungry, I wouldn't tell you. For the world is mine and all that is in it. Remembering that our God owns and knows everything is helpful to keep it in perspective. Though God owns everything, he has given it to us to enjoy, to manage, and, and to manage well, based on his selfless love and example and command. God chooses to work through his people. That's when it comes to sharing the gospel, that's when it comes to stewarding the earth and looking after the earth. Because we see in Genesis chapter 1 also where God tells us to be fruitful, multiply, and, and fill the earth and look after it. And that's the same to stewardship that, he, that we receive in terms of finance. But we remember that in giving it to God, we're reminding ourselves that he is the one who first gave it to us. We're also called to give to God through the local church. Galatians chapter 6, verse 6 says, Therefore, as we have opportunity, let us do good to all people, especially to those who belong to the family of believers. 1 Timothy 5, 17 and 18 says, The elders who direct the affairs of the church well are worthy of double honour, especially those whose work is preaching and teaching. For Scripture says, Do not muzzle an ox when it is treading out the grain, and it also that the worker deserves his wages. And um, specifically around tithes, we read in Malachi that they brought the tithe into the storehouse, which was the place where, the, and it's the local church where we see we are fed, where we receive accountability and community relationships. So in, in, a, in a spiritual sense, the local church becomes the storehouse in that 
Additionally, as we're able, Yeah, there we go. Additionally, as we're able, we give to those in need and the poor, which is, again, something that is repeatedly told in Scripture. God has this thing for the poor. I don't know if you ever realised that, but he really actually has this thing for the poor and he wants his people to look after them. And that's a good thing. Acts 4, 34 and 35. There were no needy persons among them, for from time to time, those who owned land or houses sold them, brought the money from the the sales and put it at the apostles' feet and it was distributed to anyone who had need. We're also told to give to to those who can't repay. Um, the example comes in Luke 14 where Jesus says, told his host, when you give a luncheon or a dinner, do you not invite your friends, your brothers and sisters, your relatives? Or he said, sorry, it's a specific, do not invite them. Or, or rich neighbours, for if you do, they may invite you back, and so you will be repaid. But when you give a banquet, invite the poor, the crippled, the lame and the blind, that you, you will be blessed. Although they cannot repay you, you will be repaid at the resurrection of the righteous. We're also told, number four, to give in partnership for the gospel. Again, for, uh, 2 Corinthians 8. No? Yes, it was. Anyway, it was Paul telling the Corinthians about these Macedonians who gave out of their poverty so that the gift could be taken to the other believers in another part of the world that was suffering. And they exceeded our expectation. They gave themselves, first of all, to the Lord, and then, by the will of God, also to us. Paul also says that we will have a harvest of blessing that is accumulating to our account as we give. These are two big things. Giving is a way of us being the body, the bride, coming together, being united. And so that's the teaching side of things that I wanted to tackle as we look at tithes and offerings. Now we come to this all. And we come to the example, I, I'm, I'm going to play a, a short audio, and I've got it written up for us as well, because it's not the clearest audio. Some of you who've come to our night services during Missions Month last year may have heard it. Um, but it's the example of a lady called Gladys Aylwood, who was a missionary to China, who was poor, uneducated she wasn't she went to the mission organizations and said send me and they said no you're not smart enough so she went okay well what's the cheapest way to get to china and they found out that it was i think 40 pound to go on the trans-siberian railway so she went after saving up for two years to be able to pay just for the ticket she went with a bag of food a bag of pots and pans and a bag of clothes and spent three months on the train and that was, she had no money when she got there, but she made it because God was looking after her. Anyway, I'm going to play this audio as well as, as um, have the quote up as well, where she talks about giving to God is really about giving our whole selves. Giving financially 
is an aspect of us giving him our all. Now, at the, at the finish of this, I'm going to hand over to Micah because giving to God is very much related to his gift to us in Christ, in communion. So, thanks, Tash. If you will bring into my storehouse your completed tithe that my family may be fed and sustained and upheld and kept, I will open the windows of heaven for you. It won't cost you anything. I'm doing the blessings. I'm opening the windows of heaven. And then you're going to say, well, I, I, I just don't know how to do that because I can't give up this or I can't do that. God isn't asking you to fulfill a law. He is asking you to find the love of Jesus Christ and pass it on to someone else. Tonight, in this testimony, I pray that you will realize that it is said for one purpose only, that it may help you in some way, it will comfort where you need it, it will challenge where you need it, it will urge where it is very needed, but most of all, we shall be willing to go away and give to God what we maybe have never given to him before, our completed self. We have most of us given just one part of ourselves, one piece of ourselves, or just a little bit of our cash. Friend, God does not want your bits and pieces. God is not hard up. The silver and the gold is mine, the kettle and the fowls and the hills. He produced them. He made them. He created them. He's not hard. And if so, if you think uh, that God is waiting for you to put your sixpence in, dear friend, he isn't. If you will bring your hand, I will open the windows of heaven. And may God speak to us, pour out a blessing on us, uh, so that we can go out and bless someone else. This is a pretty blunt instruction in there. Come on, you're up. Um, God, help us to hear your heart in this. Help us to bring ourselves to you as we also bring our finance that it can be used for your glory and your kingdom. Yeah. Amen. Good word, James. Giving.